High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, slumbers, or maybe slumbers who take their studies a little more seriously. I don't know. This is another episode of High School Slumber Party slash High School Slumber Party AP, and a continuation, if you will, teen movie review for 2021, part two. So I hope you listen to part one. And of course, with me today, AP co-host, Islan Addington. Islan, we're on the other side of the new year recording-wise, so happy new year, I should say. Happy New Year to you as well. 2022, it is here and I like numbers. So certainly 1122 was fun. Looking forward to 2222 and 22222. So, you know, nerdiness abounds in 2022. Ooh, yeah, February, we got two of those days. So that's cool. I didn't think about that. I missed one. Well, I didn't miss it. I just didn't think about 1122. Yeah, I mean, Happy to have you back on this journey. And reminder, Slumbers, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Follow social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, High School Slumber Party. And then also, hopefully you did your homework and listened to our previous episode here because this is right in the middle of a trifecta of all these teen movies. Just for the sake of, I don't know. If there is someone who's dipping in on episode two of this, <laughs> I will re-explain uh, every year I try to watch, along with help for some friends, because we watched a lot of these movies on AP, but I try to watch as many uh, teen films as possible and just give you guys out there a little bit of a preview, if you will, maybe some of my feelings, but these are spoiler-free feelings. But we'll we'll talk about and have a discussion on the, the 2021 teen films, so that maybe in 2022, if you want to check them out, you're more than welcome to. And Iceland, that's to you as well. If we want to check them out on AP, we'll do that too. Absolutely. I After our first episode, the first installment of Year in Review, there are definitely some that I'm looking forward to being able to talk more in depth about and, and excited to see so that I can talk with... <laughs> with more words and thoughts. Um, This episode includes quite a few of the scary, scary movies. And so I can tell you right now, some of those will not be appearing (laughs) on AP. And so I look forward to hearing enough about them um, so that I feel like I know what's going on in the, in the teen scary movie 
2021 universe, but not so much that I have trouble sleeping. So, <laughs> well, I'm not a big horror person either, as uh, the slumberers probably know. But I know there's a, a film genre that is not very popular with you. I don't mind it, but I've heard that you're not a big fan of that. And that is uh, Christmas films. And we just went through the holiday season. It's over now, so you can rest easy. But of course, uh, there was an assignment way back when. I think it was on Enola Holmes, but I don't even remember at this point. But uh, for you to watch a movie that we covered on High School Slumber Party previously, and that is Let It Snow. So, Island, did you do that bit of homework? I did. I absolutely did. I uh, was joined in that by a friend of mine who loves Christmas movies, who's watched all the princess switches. <laughs> and so Let It Snow felt right at home um, to us. And I did really enjoy it. Wow. I do like the sort of um, intersecting snapshots. I'm sure there's a better phrase for that. But, you know, we had a few different storylines that sort of wove in and out. And I thought that they navigated that, right? That can be difficult or sometimes, you know, some of them can fall flat. And I felt like they navigated that really well. It was Netflix, right? So we saw some of our friends from Netflix, right? (laughs) There are um, cast members that I've seen in other things. And then it had a particular, one of the storylines was a, um, you know, young woman who bumps into a famous person and then ends up having a great time and potentially romance and that kind of thing. And that absolutely, particularly as like a high school, junior high person, like, that was a dream, right? What if I was at the mall in Montana and ran into, right, somebody from Dawson's Creek or what have you. So um, I enjoyed that silly storyline and and I thought they they did a fine job. I mean, I as I think back about it, there's there's very little that, as I recall, felt really out of place one way or the other, right? I don't, I can't think of very many like outstanding moments, but I also can't think of moments that I was really like, ugh. I mean, certainly the, I don't even know, dance team or cheer closeted cheerleader storyline got cringy in places as one that I'm, I'm recalling. But in general, I thought it, it went down smooth, like, like hot chocolate with some melty marshmallows. So I enjoyed it. I'd recommend. Wow, I'm I'm very excited about that. That makes me happy. That's a 2019 film for those of you out there who are maybe confused. But you know, every once in a while, Island, you just play a little catch up with the modern teen films that we've already covered here on High School Slumber Party, and we actually covered that episode number 85 with my good friend Kyle Reinfried. I remember really enjoying it. As you speak about it, I'm remembering some of these subplots, but I I think you can agree with me that that's not surprising that the movie escaped me. And that's not even a negative thing either. Hot chocolate is a great way to put it. It, Yeah, if you were wrapping presents, if you were, you know, trimming the tree, or at this point, taking Christmas decorations down, writing thank you notes, this would be an amazing thank you note movie where you want something kind of entertaining in the background, but you're also, you know, tasking. I would recommend as a multitasking movie. Absolutely. Yeah, not every movie needs to be Oscar bait. And this is a good reminder. This is just good, clean fun. And that that's like, let it totally. snow. I would recommend as well. So thank you for watching Let It Snow. And uh, 
I think I covered it, yeah, in December of 2019. But, of course, fast forward. A lot of things happened between 2019 and 2021 slash 2022. (laughs) December 2019 was truly, truly what they call the before times. Little did we know. And I feel like Let It Snow has that vibe as well. Yeah, little little did we know, indeed. (laughs) Today, of course, uh, we're continuing that 2021 teen movie review and we're starting off today with another, or I should say a set of Netflix films uh, that really created quite a sensation this summer. We covered all three of them as they came out, which I'll get into it, but I'm not sure that was the best idea. Okay. But, but of course, we're talking about the three Fear Street films, Fear Street 1994, Fear Street 1978, and Fear Street 1666. There was a time when things were good on Shadyside. But now, that's all gone. Oh man, I turn the wood around with the skeleton hand, yeah. Hello? Still alive. Who is this? It's happening again. Tonight is Sunnyvale versus Shadyside. Red versus blue, good versus evil. We commence a Kate Color Are you okay? That was 1978, 5,937 days ago. Shadyside, a history of horror has earned it the nickname Killer Capital USA. Daphne These massacres happened in Shadyside over and over. You were the only person who survived. How do we end this? You have to go back to where it all started. 1666. The devil has come to feast on our misdeeds. If they want a witch. Witches! Witches! I will curse this tongue. Forever. It's been three centuries. It stops here. It stops with us. Who the hell was that? How should I know? She was hot. The bitch seemed normal. Amazing observation. Your best chance is to run from this place. In Shadyside, we're all cursed. The devil is in me. Any sense for fighting these things? Try not to die. Welcome to the suck. Come back from that mother. Off the bat, I'll ask you, Island, before I get into the stats with these three films. And I think it's best to discuss them as three films because of how they came out. So. They debuted on Netflix three weeks in a row. I think they were Fridays or 
Thursdays? I can't remember what day. But three weeks in a row, boom, boom, boom. So they are meant to be viewed as a set. I think they would be very weird to be viewed independently. Same director, same cast throughout. So it was a very unique project. So Isaac, I'll ask, did you see any of these films? And were you familiar with the Fear Street series at all? I have not seen any of them. I was familiar with it. Um, I think just a little bit general Netflix marketing, not my account because my algorithm has put me pretty far afield from this, but I was aware of kind of the event of it, if you will. And then I have seen glimpses because I enjoy a show called that we've discussed off the pod, maybe we've talked about on the pod, but Queens Who Like to Watch, which is a collaboration between two uh, drag queens, uh, Trixie Mattel and Katya, um, and Netflix, where they watch and and they are not uh, spoiler free. They are spoiler full, just to put that out there early on. But so they covered that. So Trixie and Katya on Queens Who Like to Watch covered the Fear Street uh, trilogy. And so I was... I have seen images from it and I've heard them discuss it, but I have not watched in a sincere way. Were you familiar with the book series? No. <laughs> I, I bring it up because saw the these trailers, or at least they had a they had a trailer that was kind of all three movies yeah. in one. And then they had individual trailers eventually. But got really excited because one of the most frequent guests here on High School Slumber Party, Kate Hudson. Uh, she does the Twilight movies with me and just a lot of stuff. We have a blast. But she's a very passionate person. I'll put it that way. And if, if you're a fan of High School Slumber Party or a listener or just someone who's dipped in, you probably know how passionate she can get. And this is something that off air we talked about a lot because that's like she diehard Fear Street books. And R.L. Stein wrote the series and Goosebumps was for the kids and Fear Street was for... The cool teenagers, you know. Okay. And that's how it went. And um, there's hundreds of Fear Street books, and they had such a following. So she's not a horror person. I've mentioned I'm not a horror person, um, a horror film person, we'll say. Right. And I was like, Kate, this is perfect. I know you love these books. This is going to be an event this summer. We have to talk about them right away. And she ended up being the wrong guest in a sense. People really, really ended up enjoying this set of films. However, it was not the fans of the original IP, not the fans okay. of the book property, from what I understand. I mean, there's some intersection in these, and, and I'll explain. The people who ended up really enjoying these movies were people who love horror films. Okay. These films were pretty bloody, pretty gory, you know, a lot of jump scares, like and traditional horror things. And also, they did a pretty good job of subverting the traditional horror tropes. But for subversion to be entertainment, you kind of got to know what they're subverting. So if Absolutely, you're not yeah. if you're not trained in the horror language, it could be a little bit difficult to understand what some have told me is the that brilliance of this. Yeah. And the other thing is they were very much clearly targeted to a younger audience. And not not young, not like kids or anything like that, but not the original Fear Street demo, we'll say, which were like kids growing up. I see, in the like 90s. so, like uh, ancient millennials. Yes, yeah, would likely be the book just based on the conversation we've had, or, or older millennials. Um, but you're saying these films 
would more likely appeal to current like high school college yeah gen z for sure okay or even like younger millennials will say but a lot of the stars of it were people who were and we've talked about this on ap people who uh gen z people who would be more familiar with gotcha. now i know a lot of uh older millennials are I don't know the timeline of what millennial constitutes what, but I know a lot of people who originally enjoyed the Fear Street series who also liked horror films really, really enjoyed these. Okay. So it, so it did kind of hit likely what it was trying to do. It just, you know, you, Kate, and I, for a variety of reasons, are a little bit outside that bullseye of, of what they were going for, it sounds like. For sure. Like, if you were looking, though, for... Oh, I really love this character in the Fear Street series. I really love, like Kate made a whole bingo mm. board for us of all Fear Street tropes and Fear oh, Street. Oh, fun! And it was very hard to play because I don't want to say they took. No, it was more they took the spirit, the essence, the essence of what they were about, and made a new story. And that's totally fine. But it wasn't like that rewarding thing of like, oh my god, I'm expecting to see character X or character B. It wasn't like the, for instance, the the new iteration of Babysitters Club where the characters are from the book maybe some of their day-to-day is different because of technology being different things like that but but it's recognizable as this is the character even this is the storyline of that original 100 percent, 100 percent. and that and netflix had actually done the babysitter's club and kate was actually also a big fan of the babysitter's club and i think that was definitely more what she was expecting sure of, of course you know retelling in a modern you know, with a modern lens, but not like zero characters from the book. Sure. Like I mention it because if you listen back to those episodes, and just for the record, episode 223 of High School Slumber Party was Fear Street 1994, which is the first one. Fear Street 1978 was episode 225. And Fear Street 1666, which was the third one, was episode 228 on High School Slumber Party. If you listen back and you hear confusion and, you know, uh, yeah, confusion. <laughs> Some disappointment. That That's why. Some disappointment. That's why. I need to give them another shot because this might have been the most polarizing thing I've ever done. Not that I not that I personally care about listens, but they were some of our most listened to episodes last year. And I almost feel bad because I feel like people listen to them because they really enjoyed the work and they probably came out disappointed. I mean, I don't know. Could people be. are entitled to different opinions but yeah absolutely it could they could be some some of the folks that listen could be completely on the same page y'all are so i i am looking at some pretty pretty high scores yes both critically and and, and letterboxy i want to ask you you if you have a favorite of the three but i also if you want to give some of the scores before that that's fine too for sure for sure so let's get into these stats because they're actually you know super important this was a netflix project but i believe i read that it had been in the wheels of production had had already been moving pre-pandemic and the original idea was to release these uh three in a row in the theater, which I think would have been very, very interesting experiment because that rarely happens. I do bring it up, though, because whether it was Netflix or the original producers, I have to salute whoever decided to say, hey, this artist, this director, Lee Janiak, and for R.L. Stein for letting uh, Lee Janiak do whatever she wanted with his IP, right? Sure. They said, 
we're going to invest in this artist and her vision is to do three movies in a row. Let's support that and let's do it. And you rarely see that, if ever, uh, not just from a director, but from, from a woman director. That's awesome. So I do want to salute whoever decided to do that. And so I will say, Eisling, kind of in a long way of answering your question, the look of this these films, I absolutely loved. I thought they looked awesome. Just the whole feel, the immersion into this world was awesome. My favorite Let's go through the critical scores, and then I'll try to jog my memory and see which of my favorite was. But uh, So for Fear Street 1994, which opened it up for us, 83% by the critics, 62% by the audience, 3.1 on Letterboxd. And I remember this one, a lot of people were like, where is this story going? Because it ended mm. on a cliffhanger. And these, again, these are not three independent films. They need to be viewed together. That That's... Okay. That's undisputed, in my opinion. It was cool to go back to 1994, but I'm a history stickler. And I know I had a lot of issues. And maybe I shouldn't have. That's why I need to watch it again. But I know I had a lot of issues. Like, it's 1994. They're playing some great 90s music. But it's more like a best of the 90s. It wasn't like what the radio would be playing in 1994, right? There was even songs from after 1994. And I shouldn't care, but I did. Um so Fear Street 1978, I thought that one was really, really cool. Um, that was more of the summer camp one. Nice. So I really like Sadie Sink. Are you familiar with her? Not by name, no. So she she was uh, on Stranger Things. She's definitely an up-and-comer who you will know that name, I believe, in a year or two. And I'll say Gen Zers know that name. Like, she's gotcha. very familiar with them. I think she's really, really great. This is the first time I... Well, I saw her in Stranger Things, but the first time I really, like, dove into a performance she had. Thought she was super awesome in this movie. Um, she's got a bunch of stuff coming out. Now, this blew up recently, but Taylor Swift redid all her music or whatever and she did the song all too well which really rips into jake gyllenhaal and the relationship he had with her not gonna get into it not the point minute whatever yes we're not getting into it but she she wrote and directed the the 10 minute music video for that um starring sadie sink as like the kind of her character people really loved it sorry lee jadiac directed it no no no, no. taylor Taylor swift Swift directed it taylor swift So if you didn't know her from Fear Street, Sadie Sink got a lot on a lot of people's radar through that Taylor Swift video. Gotcha. So yeah, so not Lee Janiak, Taylor Swift. But Lee Janiak, I, again, want to bring up again because I thought her vision was great. She put a lot of herself in the movie, in all the right. movies, which when we get to Fear Street 1666, I had my issues. So I think Fear Street uh, 1978 was my favorite. 88% by the critics, 81% by the audience, 34 on Letterboxd. But people seem to love Fear Street 1666. And yeah. I'll say two-parter here. So 94, obviously it takes place in 94. Um, and that's kind of, it was a great year because that's in the meat of when the Fear Street books were popular, right? Sure. So that totally makes sense. Um, there's a curse throughout this town. And to learn about the curse, they kind of flash back to 1978. And that's the second film. By the way, uh, Gillian Jacobs, who I yeah. really love, <laughs> made me feel old because remember when you were a kid and you used to watch movies with, with young people and then there was an adult 
in the movie that like your mom or whoever would be like, oh, I remember them from things. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that was Gillian Jacobs here. Well, fun. She did great, but it was also- Like fun. Alicia Silverstone in yes. Valley Girl. 100%. 100%. Same thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so she's uh, like, a, she's in all three movies and she's kind of the older character who lived at 1978, who's explaining what's going on in 94. I bring it up because uh, the legend, the curse of Fear Street, really begins in 1666. And that's what the third film was about, kind of the origins of this curse. But the second half goes back to 1994. And if I want to say, like, favorite parts of the whole series, that second half I thought was really, really good. So 1666, I might be screwing up my ears, guys, so I apologize. But 1666 overall, I didn't enjoy when they went back in the past. I thought the accent work was terrible. I'm sorry, I did. I'm also, again, I love history. This takes place in Ohio. They were no settlements of this nature in Ohio at that time. <laughs> and that really gotcha. bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, again, I, I, like I said, I know I'm rambling here, but I, I, it, it just feels like an, I have to give an apology because so many people have either wrote or just spoke to me in person and be like, these movies were awesome. I don't know what you guys were thinking. So again, I need to give them another shot, but I'll, I'll just warn people again, if you're not into horror, you're probably not going to like these movies. Yeah. If you're into OG fear street novels, you're probably not going to like these movies, but if you like horror or you're familiar with some of the actors, you're probably going to like these movies. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> That is my take on the whole Fear Street series. Lee Janiak, once again, I think did a tremendous job. And supposedly they might even do more of these. They might make it an anthology. It put her on the map for a lot of people. And for that, I'm very happy that they came Absolutely. Awesome. The next one on our list is the other one from this episode that has been previously covered. Yes, yes. So the next one, I think, is kind of the opposite of everything that I just said. So okay. the Slumber Party Massacre series is something we've covered on High School Slumber Party. Actually, the first two covered with Mike Manzi here on High School Slumber Party. And the third one, he hosts a show called Third Time's a Charm. We did on his show. We had a nice event with it. I Again, I'm not a big horror person, but... Watching this for the first time for the show, if I were going to recommend a horror series, almost like an entry-level horror series that a lot of people are not familiar with, I would recommend the Slumber Party Massacre series. Um, The first one is from 1982. It's kind of a lower budget, not as well known as the Friday the 13th or the Halloweens and such. But I got into them, especially the first and the second one. They're really, really fun. You know, they're easy to get into. And something that was really of note, so the big groundbreaking thing about this series is that all three of them, and now four of them, were directed by women. Nice. So, which was not something that was obviously very common in 1982, 1987, and even 1990. So when they announced that there would be a new Slumber Party Massacre and that it would air directly on sci-fi, I was skeptical. Uh, Mike Manzi, co-host for that episode, was skeptical. Um, but happy, again, to see that they continue the tradition of women directors. And honestly, spoiler alert, had a blast watching this one. Oh, excellent. It's time to start the slumber party! 
Stay inside. Stay quiet. And stay safe. And that's episode 254 on High School Slumber Party. Covered it in 2021, of course, because that's when it came out. Directed by Danishka Esterhazy. The Rotten Tomato scores are really hard to pick apart when it's a movie that airs straight to TV. It's similar to what I said uh, last time about Spider-Man. If you watched all of them and then watched this movie, it was actually a very pleasant surprise. We really enjoyed it. It subverted... A lot of the tropes. It openly discussed a lot of the tropes. It was very feminist in a sense that it was meant to be viewed as satire. So how can I put it? Like the guys are very sexualized in the movie and they openly talk about that. Like there's a shower scene, an unnecessary outdoor shower scene with a man where it just really focuses on his body. And again, it's, it's just mocking those horror films but not like mocking is a bad word just satiring them right because like it was also saluting a lot of the positive aspects of them and the positive aspects of this series tremendously diverse cast if you're into horror and if you've seen the series and you shied away from it because it's just like a sci-fi channel remake don't do that like it's definitely one to check out another again another yeah there was a gore in it and yeah there was like a fear factor about it but it's definitely on the lighter end of horror like i've never been scared by a slumber party massacre series like actually i'll say this the slumber party massacre series made me understand the appeal of horror a little bit more because it was like oh you're not always meant to be just like holy shit i'm under the bed because I'm afraid someone's going to attack me tonight. You know what I mean? There's an art to the uh, the rhythm and the just, like, there's a script of tropes that people actually enjoy in horror. Right. And that's something that, again, this whole series affirms that I will say, watch all the other ones, at least the first two. But, you know, just watch all the other ones before you see this one, and it's going to be a little bit more fun. It's not really a spoiler because it's on the poster, but the killer from the first one is the killer in this one as well. So, again, you're going to enjoy it more if you enjoy that. And just for just for uh, statistical purposes, the critical score was 100%, but very limited on Rotten Tomatoes because, again, TV movie people really don't care about it, which is a shame. Audience, 71%. Letterbox 3.0. And those are all really fair scores. Once again, really fun movie. I'm not a big sci-fi channel person. You know, I don't watch, like, the Sharknado films and whatever it is, so... My point is, don't let that scare you either. It was actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, I've got another another scary one before we... Yeah, we might as well continue with our little horror roller coaster we're doing now. Uh, this is not a film that we covered on High School Slumber Party, a film I just watched a couple days ago, actually. And it's There's Someone Inside Your House. Look, it's pretty obvious here. You're a good kid. It's a lot of pressure to be perfect. Sometimes it's easier to be ourselves around strangers than our own friends. You had no relationship with Jackson? No. The 
you're in my house so I can legally kill you. This isn't who I am. This isn't me. Seems the killer wore a mask with the victim's face and was intent on exposing intimate information. Jackson Pace took a knee on the field of life. Hope they're serving fireballs in paradise, brother. Now I want to die. Doesn't make sense, you know? Why would the killer go after Jackson? Got secrets. Careful out there, friend. Crazy people in this town. I have a secret. I accidentally ran over a hitchhiker and dumped his body into the ocean. Is that bad? I just Shit, there's someone wearing Rodrigo's face! Just are who you are. You don't have any secrets. You can't hide anything anymore. But Connie, I know who you are. Whatever little game this is. You know my secret. Okay. This one was interesting. Apparently it's based on a very popular horror novel that I'd never heard of from 2017 called There's Someone Inside Your House by Stephanie, gotcha. Stephanie Perkins. This is a Netflix-produced film. I didn't even know it existed, to be honest with you. Um, this is one I found on a list. Hudson, had you even heard of this one? Having not seen it, I don't know all the characters, but... Once I watched the trailer, there's a, a female character that is sort of highlighted a lot, particularly the second half of the trailer. I feel like Netflix has shown me the, you know, the poster image um, mm. has promoted it to me because she and the expression she was making uh, looked familiar to me and enough that and I've watched the trailers for all of these. This is the scary one that I do want you to tell me about off air because the trailer was quite compelling, which, and and that's, that can be separate from the movie, right? Like there are trailers that look amazing for films that are terrible and the opposite, et cetera. Um, it's not the same, it's a different art form, if you will, but the trailer really intrigued me. And also I know that I don't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, a really good trailer. Um, the film itself was directed by Patrick Bryce. Um, yeah, scores don't necessarily bear that out. So what are your thoughts? It's not as bad as the scores, right? So critical score on Rotten Tomatoes of 48%, audience score of 17%, which is really low. Letterbox 2.3. Well, there was a lot I liked about this movie and a lot, not that I didn't like, but for example, you would think a movie called There's Someone Inside Your House would mainly take place in a house. Sure, it would be a home invasion, yeah. Yes, and that's not really the film. Hmm. I thought there was a lot of creativity in terms of what actually was taking place. Uh, I think you could see it in the trailer, but the killer here will essentially 3D print a mask of the person they're about to kill, which that is cool. That takes preparation. Yeah, um, a lot of high school tropes, which are always fun for me, and I mean that in a good way, right? Like, Big football game. Yeah, we saw some athletes. We saw some parties. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff like that. So is this film, like, does it deserve 17%? I don't think so. 
I wasn't really scared while watching it. It didn't really draw me in that way. Frankly, I had a hard time concentrating on this one. When I did a little research on the film, it made sense to me. The godfather of the podcast network, Joey Lewandowski, I know for years used to go. Uh, he lived in Austin for a little bit and used to go back to Austin to go to Fantastic Fest, which is a it's a film festival, I believe, run by Alamo Drafthouse and a couple other organizations. And this definitely screams like a movie that would screen at that festival. Oh, okay. It has that vibe to it, like, you know, young people, horror film. Then this is where I wish I was better at horror. From what I read, horror people just did not like this film. Okay. But again, I didn't hate it. I thought it was fun, and I like seeing, like, a diverse cast. I thought the... Uh, lead Sydney Park, who played Makani Young in the film, I thought she was really great. But largely, I didn't really recognize most of the cast, um, which is not always a bad thing. I thought they played the the tropes of who they were supposed to be pretty pretty well. I think where a lot of people were disappointed, and I don't want to spoil it, obviously, is the person who ended up being the killer, like, it just didn't feel like it was that big of a deal. Okay. I would love for someone who knows horror better than me to watch this film and just tell me why it didn't hit the way it should have hit. The best way I could say it was, like, it was just okay. It wasn't terrible, but I, I just, I don't really have much of a reaction to it. <laughs> okay. But you're right, the, the trailer's really good. <laughs> trailer's great. Trailer's well put together. <laughs> <laughs> So that, to me, is something we, we talk a lot about, or I feel like we mention a lot on the High School Slumber Party. It's that old grade of, there were some good ideas here, but maybe go back and reorganize them into something else. Sure. <laughs> um, speaking of, I guess, horror films that miss the mark, if you will, uh, the next film we're going to talk about, Let Us In, I was super confused about okay. until I read what it was supposed to be. Oh, okay. So, what's going on with the project? Hello, it's me, Emily Sparks, coming to you from Earth. There's a reason why you're not the most liked girl at school. (laughs) I just don't want to cross Christopher's dreams of communicating with aliens. Emily, we are so close to communicating with whatever is out there. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when it finally happens? It's going to be lit. let us in it happened in this town over 50 years ago when there was only one eyewitness frederick munch you mean me mr munch his house is totally haunted the black eyed kids it's their harvest in time but why do they ask you that question to let them in because they have to they need permission for whatever you do never Say yes. Sweetheart, the police will take care of it. I want you to stay put. You guys don't understand, they're not a human. You don't know how they think. You think you'll get out alive? Another Hulu. You mentioned this is a big year for Hulu and teen films. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Hulu teen films this year. They clearly made a move. I think we'll even talk about at least, yeah, we'll talk about at least one more 
in this episode. But Hulu, and I like it. Keep buying teen films and putting them out there because I will watch them. <laughs> and the film, of course, is Let Us In. And this one, directed by Craig Moss, I thought like it might be really cool. I love the poster. I kind of love the idea of it. It was a little bit more sci-fi than horror. But where I didn't connect is that, and I had to read about this after, was that this is actually supposed to be a horror movie for kids. Okay. It's about disappearing teenagers, but the heroes are like middle school kids who are really, you know, uh, do a lot of research and save the day, if you will. So a little kind of like second season of Stranger Things. A little yeah. bit where some of the teen, like two true teens have to join forces with some of the middle school kids. Exactly, exactly. And this was definitely influenced a lot by Stranger Things. You could definitely tell. Not in terms of like the period piece nature of it, but just exactly what you're saying. Like kids saving the day. I thought there were some good nuggets of stuff here. It just did not hit with me. I found myself drifting off a little bit. Maybe if I was a kid, this would be a good entry-level horror film. Yeah. I I mean, I don't want to say I like the idea of horror for kids, but I like (laughs) the idea of sort of suspense and for, like like we're saying, kids working together to save the day. I I think that's a a fun idea and something that would resonate with young folk. Especially, again, the fact that, like, there's almost these very tropey, but in a good way, kind of teenagers being teenagers, we'll say, right? And their teenage behavior kind of has to, that's what gets them in trouble, right? Right. And, and I think it's just like, you know, being a young kid, and I was not a younger sibling, but I've definitely seen it. You know, you, you see older teenage siblings getting in trouble, and you think you could somehow save the day, right? Like, so I could see right. the connection there. And the premise I thought was good. There's a sort of like this... You're not sure if they're just aliens or just some kind of supernatural people who they need to be invited in. And once they're in, they, they take these teenagers and we learn in the film, this is not a big spoiler because we learned it early on, that they are here to essentially harvest teenagers, right? So that's the whole let us that's in That's scary. Thing. Yeah. They need to be invited in. Uh, again, I would love for like a younger person to watch it. I don't think it's going to be something that we cover on AP just because it for me, did not get a reaction. And it seems like the critics and the audience and the letterbox nerds agree as well because 20% by the critics. Now, not a lot of critical score here. 29% by the audience, though, and 2.1 on letterbox, which is not very good. Don't let scores chase you away. Once again, intended audience, probably not the ones logging in on letterbox or Rotten sure. Tomatoes for that matter, but definitely not one of the highlights of the year. I do, again, like that idea of taking a genre that's not traditionally associated with younger people and kind of making a version that would be. So, absolutely. Craig Moss and the people behind this movie, don't let what I'm saying discourage you. <laughs> Another film that was definitely not marketed for you and I is the next film we're going to talk about, and it is Finding Ohana. <laughs> <laughs> you want it. Please don't kill your sister. You guys look taller in the picture. Clint. Mahalo? Seems a little unsanitary. And I'm not spending my senior year stuck on this stupid island. Uh, oh, these are nice. Aloha. 
Feel it? Helps from John with fancy business. Whose journal is this? Mark's. He was a sailor on the Peruvian. The Peruvian's treasure's legendary. Hey! Why do you have a drawing of a night marcher? You know what that is? Ghosts of Hawaiian warriors. He said they march at night. You know they're coming when you hear their drums. Well, sleep tight. Final notice. You're about to lose your house. This is our Ohana's land. I'm gonna die before I leave. All right. Ohana is a big part of you. You know why? Because you, Hawaiian. This was my papa's, and my papa's papa got this from Monk. It's real, Goaty. This is how we can get the money and help Papa. What do you think's down there? I just want to grab my sister who thinks she's Indiana Jones. We'll get them. My kids are inside a mountain looking for some Spanish gold. I have to enter. I mean, no disrespect. Your turn. What's up, Mountain? You looking beautiful right now. We're good. We can go now. We just have to go through. The jaws of death. That sounds inviting. Okay. Don't move. Why does it have so many eyes? Those aren't eyes. I know you're scared, but I'll be right here the whole time. I gotta do this for Papa. Run! Come on! Hurry! One, two, three! I'm not as strong as I look. I only went to one CrossFit class. It was a free trial. Shut up! Or as I called it after watching the trailer, Hawaiian Goonies. A hundred percent. And that's what it is. That is literally what it is. It's not necessarily a bad thing. And by the way, you can stream this on Netflix. It looks gorgeous from the trailer. 100%. The adventure part, the all the outdoor stuff looks great. From the trailer, with my snobby hat on, <laughs> felt like, ooh, there's going to be some dialogue. There's going to be some delivery of dialogue that maybe does not live up to the gorgeous landscape behind it. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts on that. This felt to me like a, and this is not a diss, it's just a Disney Channel original movie. Yes, absolutely. Fun to watch in that format. Probably fun for kids. Um, yes, the Goonies already did it. This does a lot of different things. I'll say this, if you were Hawaiian... This would probably be an awesome movie or have some connection to Hawaii because it's very much, very much focuses on the culture of Hawaii and Hawaiian pride. And that, is, you know, Pacific Islander culture is a marginalized culture in this country. When we watch Hawaiian movies in theory, it's like Elvis in a Hawaiian shirt at a resort, right? Like that's not real Hawaii. I mean, yes, there's an aspect of that there, but this, I think it did an awesome job of that. Because how many really real like Pacific Islander slash Hawaiian movies have you seen? Like, it's not, it's not that many, right? Very few. Yeah. So in terms of representation, awesome. And, and that's something, just as a reminder, I have been tallying. And on the third episode, I'm going to try to uh, give you some good old fun statistics. But the director here, Jude Wang, uh, I thought she did a great job. Like I said, beautiful film. Um, she is an American director, but born in Taiwan. 
uh, again, awesome that you know that kind of representation. But ultimately, I wish I, I wish I had a nephew to watch it with. You know, <laughs> two of the characters are teenagers, and two of the characters are once again like middle schoolers, and you know, it's a cool younger sister kind of saving the day for like a. I was going to use the term asshole, but that's like probably not appropriate for this movie, but just like a a know-it-all older brother who, you know, thinks he's hot shit, essentially. I thought the performances were great. I think it's a fun movie. I don't know, again, if we'll, we'll cover it here on AP. It just doesn't doesn't feel like it's something that our listeners here or we would necessarily connect with on that level. But would I recommend it for a, a younger person? Absolutely, especially if they're into adventure and Goonies-like stuff. Critical score... 85%, 82% by the audience. 2.9 on Letterboxd, which is a drop from those. But again, we've discussed the Letterboxd uh, demo, right? Probably not going to be the demo that's into this film, right? The, the film sure, but aren't... 8.82 audience is pretty strong. Because I think if you're drawn into the movie and you watch it, you're going to feel good after watching it. Like, I, was, yeah. I wasn't bored throughout, but I also... Whatever, it was like a fun adventure film. <laughs> so like, you know, we both watched the trailer. I think the trailer, it's a pretty accurate trailer. The trailer sums up the adventure that you're going to be getting into in this movie. Oh. Moving from a Netflix kids movie to a movie about a more serious topic, but was equally as fun, to be honest with you. Plan B. Right now, puberty is telling you to step on the gas. If your vagina was a car, what would it be? Ferrari. Stays covered up and completely untouched in the garage. Mine would definitely be a transformer. You think you know her? Boom. Autobots pop out. I feel like if you're following the metaphor, that means you have craps. What? We finally tried reverse cowgirl. And? Amazing, right? It wasn't that great for me, but I feel like it looked cool. I was a horse fucking and I haven't even had my first kiss. Oh, fuck. Look at Hunter. Who plays hockey in a cardigan? He's like an athletic librarian. You know, Sunny's throwing a party. Really? Love a good high school party with the liquors and the touching, all the other stuff, drugs. Big night for you. Inviting your crush. Partying and drinking. I feel so stimulated. Is this what white privilege feels like? Make good choices. <laughs> oh, fuck. Lupe? I had sex. What? You banged your crush at your own party? You are my hero. Oh god, I was peeing and a condom fell out. What? A condom full of goo. Let's get the plan B bill. Is there an alternative? You mean a plan B? Sorry, but I declined to offer you the plan B bill. I have a nice day. Back. Let's go to Planned Parenthood in Rapid City. Hey, do you realize this is our first official road trip? Where are we on here? What do these red lines mean? This really is, needs a pension zone. I hate to tell you, but Planned Parenthood is probably closed for the night. My 24-hour window is closing. So the condom just fell out? I've been there. Oh, sorry. Make sure that condom fits snug. morning after pill. I got one more right here. That could be anything. I got some pill. It's like a really small chance it might be PCP. 
So Aislinn, had, had you heard of this one? I, I think we've talked about this one. What's your experience with Plan B? Yes, we have talked about it. I had seen the trailer prior and it's been on my list. Haven't yet watched it, but also, you know, I see directed by Natalie Morales. Is that the actress, Natalie Morales? Yes, yes, okay. absolutely. Because I'm a big fan of her. And so I'm excited that that she directed it. And I, I really look forward to watching it. I don't have a good reason for not watching it yet, other than like pandemic and life things getting in the way. But um, certainly re-watching the trailer for this purpose I am very excited to watch the movie. I really, really enjoyed this one. Another Hulu movie here. So once again, shout out to Hulu for investing in teen films last year. This was, I think it got a little overlooked because it was in a trifecta of abortion movies. Sounds weird, but... of it Really, a, a trifecta of access and, and yes. barriers to accessing reproductive care movies. 100% a better way to say that. We covered on AP, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which was definitely, now that I've seen all three, the more serious of the three. They all deal with serious things, but that one left you with a different feeling than yes. the other two, which was Unpregnant, which we I definitely want to cover on AP. And I do want to cover Plan B on AP as well. They're very similar, but that doesn't mean that like the story should cancel each other out. I think they're both... Right worth watching and I think they're both awesome and in this case plan B I thought it was a really really awesome movie it's a pretty unfortunately all too common storyline in a lot of places in this country but uh two women who are best friends um, essentially they need to you know one of them has a sexual experience she wasn't um you know too comfortable with and wants to be safe and wants to score some plan B essentially so they live in South Dakota so kind of your d- direction in the country, Iceland, right? Like, yeah, yeah, almost, almost <laughs> the Northwest, yeah. The Mountain West, as we say. <laughs> but, I mean, I'll tell you, I haven't seen too many South Dakota films, so it was awesome no. to see a, a film take place there. But, uh, you know, in that state, apparently, according to the movie, and I could be wrong, I'm not familiar with the laws in every state, the pharmacist can use their discretion to deny Plan B to a minor, and that's what happens here. So they need to, uh, they look for the closest Planned Parenthood to get it there. And it's a fun little road trip film when it comes to that. And it's about friendship and being in high school and life. And uh, I loved, love the two leads here. Sunny, played by, and if I'm mispronouncing this, I apologize, but Kuhu Verma. She was amazing. I thought um, she was so good in this. And Victoria Morales, who plays Lupe, also amazing. People might know her from the Teen Wolf MTV version, not the Michael okay. Fox version. But they had such great chemistry. And again, I know there's a portion of the country who might not be into it, but audience score compared to the other two films, still pretty high. 81% by the audience, 96 by the critics, 3.6 on Letterboxd. 3.6. Ooh. I feel like this is a movie that a lot of people missed maybe because it was on Hulu because I know Hulu is sure. not in even like the top three or four of most subscribed streaming services. So uh, that's unfortunate, but don't let that stop you. Definitely 
definitely get Hulu and watch this movie. That's just my opinion, but I, I think we definitely should cover Plan B on High School Slumber Party AP. Yes, and I am, I am and have been a Hulu subscriber and a Hulu fan for a long time, so nice. I'm also excited that they are expanding the repertoire and really, um, there, are, there have been some outstanding series that have been Hulu originals, and you're right, I think as a maybe second tier uh, streaming service. I think sometimes they're overlooked. So I, I think this is a great example of a reason to get connected with Hulu. A hundred percent agree. So putting that on our AP list that we will cover at some point. Speaking of our list, the next one, when I was watching trailers for this was my favorite trailer. And I'm just so now I'm suddenly very much looking forward to watching Sophie Jones. Things have been weird. Death is weird. At least I've been coping well. I mean, I haven't been cutting myself or drinking or taking drugs, so that's cool, I think. Sophie, you know you can talk to me about whatever, right? You know that. I just think it's good to be alone sometimes. You sure this has nothing to do with your mom? It doesn't have anything to do with my mom. Ah, oh, what am I saying? I just, uh, I mean, panic attacks happen, right? You know? And I'd like it if we could be friends, if that's okay. Of course we can be friends. Okay. Text me and we'll, we'll hang out or get coffee or something. Hmm, yeah. Mm. Okay, do you want to you want to talk or do you want me to sing something? <laughs> you know you can again. Yeah, okay. okay. So Sophie Jones, a movie that came up on a couple lists that I looked up when compiling these episodes. That's something um I believe it's on Showtime now, but I rented it on Amazon because I don't believe I have Showtime. If I did, whatever. I, I gave money to the, the director here. So, uh, hopefully. <laughs> um, this was one of the, that true indie film in every sense of the word, right? Actually came out in the festivals in 2020. I don't know who was going to festivals in 2020, but <laughs> apparently that's what Yeah, happened. B- bummer for all 2020 <laughs> festival movies, but... But, like, uh, the wide stream was 2021, and that's what, you know, overall gets counted here. Not a lot of info on this movie. Recently, I went on vacation to the Pacific Northwest and instantly recognized Portland and the Oregon landscape in this film, which I thought was awesome. That aside, there is one confusing thing about this movie that I do want to clarify. It's directed by someone named Jesse Barr, and the star is someone named Jessica Barr. Different people... But they are oh, cousins. Wow. They are cousins. They actually wrote the movie together. Oh, cool! They're actually named after apparently the same uh, relative. Difference in age, but this is one of those realistic depictions of teenage life yeah. that was both scary and awesome at the same time. I love things like this. I enjoy it. Again, I will compare it to the realness—not different subject matter, but the realness of never, rarely, sometimes, always. I mean, the way that it was shot. Simple as Sophie Jones is a character who um, is dealing with grief and she deals with it as best she can. I'll leave it at that. But 
definitely a movie we should cover on AP because this is exactly, well, this is one of the reasons I wanted to segue into AP stuff is like movies by artists who do an awesome job and maybe don't get recognized by the mainstream quote unquote community. Again, if we can have one more person watch this film, I will be a very happy person. What, what drew you in about the trailer? That the authenticity that you mentioned. I mean, I think this is something that's, you know, there's a kind of uh, critic reaction sort of notes and phrases are, are superimposed over the images a couple of times. And I feel like quiet masterpiece is something that's said. So I, they're not my words, but like, and I didn't realize it was Pacific Northwest until, uh, until you said it, but that also could be sort of subconsciously the landscape was familiar, but really the character that you meet in it and, and hear a little bit of voiceover in the trailer was just so compelling. I, um, I'm really curious. I sometimes, you know, uh, young people playing guitar makes me uncomfortable because it's going to be bad. Um, but <laughs> also in this case, as kind of a character is playing a song and that becomes the background for the rest of the trailer that, you know, I wanted to hear the rest of the song. You know what I mean? Like it just, I just wanted more. I did what a trailer is supposed to do, I think, is pique my interest and leave me wanting more. And so, um, but yeah, that that indie, quiet, poignant, small relatable story is something that I enjoy. So I'm looking forward to it. And I'll read the stats here, but don't take them literally because all three categories did not have enough opinions and votes for me to actually sink my teeth in it as a a real score. But critical score on Rotten Tomatoes was 100%. But again, not a lot of critics. Audience score is 76%. And Letterboxd is 3.0. But once again, don't really invest in that a lot. Um, yeah, Sophie Jones will definitely, definitely cover that at some point. I, I want to talk about that movie. And just uh, if, I, if I could give a review of, of something else unrelated, uh, the Columbia Gorge on the Oregon-Washington border. Oh, I can't stop thinking about it. So when I saw it in this movie, I was like, beautiful, beautiful land. So that's my land podcast for you, my, my, <laughs> my recommendations <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, it drove, it drove through last week. Oh, my gosh, Paper Spiders. <laughs> yes, the next film. We're going to really talk about today is uh, Paper Spiders. I'm here because of my mom. Me too. Mom, please don't ask a million questions. Oh, come on now. Give me some credit. Hey! Does anyone call you Danny? Uh, not really. Where are your parents from? You don't have to answer. She's always been quirky. I can't help it. I'm inquisitive. Maybe a little neurotic. It's loaded with saturated fats that clog your arteries. Oh. Bet nothing like this. What are you doing? Shh, shh, shh. The neighbor threw a rock at me. What? Yeah. I was doing laundry. I heard a bang. Aren't you scared that he's going to murder you in his sleep and bury you in his yard? Oh, my God. Well, I wasn't until now. She thinks... Our neighbors stalking her, climbing on her roof. Every little noise she believes is an attack. She's paying me to follow him. How do I convince my mom that it's all in her head? That's gonna be hard. She's off the edge. I'm not gonna sit back and do nothing. Do you have any idea what I'm going through? Did it even occur to you that I just got fired from my job? There's a mistake waiting to happen. 
not gonna lie this film fucked me up yeah <laughs> another indie film here uh were you familiar with this one no i had not heard of it love lily taylor lily taylor yes. um i feel like i haven't seen her in a while but that could just be me because pandemic has really slowed down my adventuresomeness in watching <laughs> and i you know sort of watch things i'm already familiar with but yes i was certainly intrigued and this looked intense yeah this was one of those um again similar to sophie jones indie film that debuted on the festival circuit in 2020 um but went to the wide release in 2021 so we were able to access it and you know talk about it i I think we should definitely put this on the list because it was probably one of the top teen indie films but this one did a number on me like after watching it I felt very much, I don't know, not good. <laughs> Do you mean you're continuing to think about it? or Yes, yes, okay. in that way. It is about a awesome, brave young woman played by Stefania Lavie-Owen. And I mention her because I think she's very good. Um, but also, she was in that Netflix show that was somewhat popular, uh, Sweet Tooth, about like, you know, they had like... Oh animal people and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people might recognize her from that. I think she does such an awesome job and the performance is so po- powerful. And you mentioned Lily Taylor, who excellent. And really, I should nominate her for the High School Slumber Party Hall of Fame because she's been in so many great uh, high school stuff too. And just young. Yeah, good point. I mean, just great movies and stuff. But it's a story, again, of a young woman who essentially is dealing with her mom's uh, mental health struggle. So her mother's uh, mental health symptoms include paranoia and delusions, and um, it's just the two of them, dead parent, (laughs) high school slumber party trope as the father uh, has passed away, which has caused some mental health trauma for the mother and and the daughter, obviously. But it's her senior year. I believe she's gotten into Stanford, uh, and suddenly the difficulty of caring for her mom has been thrust upon her and there's a lot of competing even while watching you'll you'll have competing opinions on what she should do a neighbor moves in and i don't believe this is a spoiler because i think it's pretty clear that this is not a horror film or anything like that but there's almost a reading of this like because the the mother lily taylor's character believes that the neighbor is stalking her and just doing bad things to them, threatening them. And uh, I think the movie is great because of the just you feel as the viewer, this sudden cloud of pressure on the daughter or just not knowing what to do. Because for a lot of the movie, she's she believes her mother and she's standing by her Mm -hmm. mother. But it gets to the point where the best way I can describe it is like, there's almost a paralysis of movement of the progression of her life. Sure. It's a heavy movie. It's definitely not a light watch. It's a movie that'll, again, like it fucked me up a little after yeah. watching it. I think the the phrase, again, like overwritten while the action was going on is like this movie, you know, rips, rips you apart and then puts you back together. Yeah, but I don't know if it put me back together all the way. Okay. <laughs> I don't think this movie's for everyone. I think there might be someone who say could say that it was over dramatic sounds bad because that sounds like a soap opera, but it really hits you on the head with what's going on. Okay. It's not subtle in that way, but the performances 
make it worth it. And there are some funny moments as well. I do want to, again, I do want to talk about this movie on AP because there are, there are things I want to talk about with you right now that I can't because <laughs> you haven't seen the movie. Uh, there's like a, a love interest who, spoiler alert, I'm not a fan of. Okay. But also in high school, there's a lot of mismatched love interests. So that fits, oh, right? accurate. I think yeah, <laughs> this is a, one, a real movie, but it's like uh, a lot of, oh, no moments or, oh. Oh, <laughs> um, not not a movie you could ignore if it's on the TV. Sure. And then when I looked at the box office numbers, it's two thousand nine hundred dollars, and I'm like, all right, they put in so much effort and heart into this movie that more people just need to watch it for, the, for that. Was reason. this one that um, was impacted by pandemic in terms of release? For sure, it, it definitely seems that way. Again, I didn't do a deep dive into the research, but just for a movie coming out and whatever the shambles of festivals were of mm-hmm. 2020 and then kind of just just in terms of streaming theory if you will the fact that this is one of those that yes it's on showtime but showtime sorry execs at showtime but it's not hbo not everyone has showtime True. not everyone has hbo so the fact that you know not everyone has showtime is a bit is a bigger deal but it's not on netflix or even hulu or something where you're scrolling and you're like huh that might be interesting Whatever their business model, maybe it works for them. But I think in terms of exposure, it, I don't think a lot of eyes are, are turning on to Paper Spiders, which I think is a shame. Heavy movie, we'll have to be in the right mood to cover it. But yeah. again, I think we should definitely, definitely cover it. And uh, stats on this one, 100% by the critics, but also not a lot Limited. of critical scores. <laughs> uh, 94% by the audience and 3.3 on Letterboxd. So I think good scores all around there. The last two films that we're going to discuss are similar in a sense where definitely did not get the exposure. I hadn't heard about them, but I believe both ran on the festival circuit. Kind of happy that I discovered the both of them. And the first one is Blast Beat. (laughs) Not playing any more games when I'm in the States. I just moved here. From where? Colombia. What part of Mexico is that? Aquí hay que tener metas claras. I've always wanted to work at NASA. So cliche. Mamá, tiene una cosa que va a ser un esfuerzo para adaptarse. Sí. You two have detention. We're being detained? No, 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 just, uh, it's detention. It's not detained, it's... Detention. Ooh, no. Si está tan mamado que otros decidan por usted, empieza a buscar cómo es que se van a dependizar. If this is real, this could be a groundbreaking idea. I am going to be applying to the Georgia Aerospace Institute. Are your immigration documents in order? Another Hulu film for this one. There it is, Hulu again. <laughs> Making that investment. Curious on this one, what were your initial thoughts from just 
watching the trailer on Blast Beat. I assume you haven't watched it. Haven't watched it. I think I recognize one of the leads. There's a, a, a gentleman with long hair and a gentleman with very little hair. One with very little hair, I thought was the, one of the kids in The Kings of Summer, which is a movie I found so charming and I loved so much that I, I even watched the Godzilla that the director did later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I loved Kings of Summer so much. Yes, uh, you're right. Mo- Moses Arias. Yeah. Pl- so I was so delighted to see him having worked on college campuses where, where there were a lot of students that had immigrated themselves or were from families that had recently um, immigrated to the United States and had you know multiple languages uh, spoken at home and in their social lives and things. I don't know. I felt I, I felt like this is a movie I should see and um, that likely more people should see because I think if, if those are not your experiences, it's um, all too easy for those stories to be invisible. And so I'm, I'm interested in seeing more and like hand-to-hand violence makes me so uncomfortable that there's enough like fights in the trailer that I was like, oh man, this is going to be tough. And I still think I need to watch it. I don't know why. Like, I didn't think I'd be into this film as much, uh, especially um, for what you're saying. I, th- I thought it was maybe more about the fighting, but it, it's really not. This is one of those movies had on in the background. It's doing my thing. And then it kept drawing me in more and more. Yeah. Where, where towards the end, I mean, at least halfway through, it had all my attention. And for a lot of the reasons that you're saying. I don't know if I mentioned this because I feel like a broken record. Another Hulu film. So. There it is. Come on, Hulu. <laughs> Once again, we thank Hulu for that. And just to go back to Moises Arias, who plays Mateo. His brother, Mateo Arias, which is confusing, plays Carly, who's his actual brother in the movie. So two brothers playing the leads here. Oh, they are related. Okay, interesting. You can tell they have great chemistry. You know, if you don't know Moses Arias from Kings of Summer, he's been in a bunch of stuff, right? Like he was in uh, one of the Pitch Perfect films, but a lot of people recognize him. He actually was one of the stars of Miley Cyrus's first project, The Hannah Montana Show. So uh, he was actually a little kid in that. Oh, I did not know that. That's funny. So when I saw his name, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I love seeing child stars continue their work and especially when they do like more indie artistic projects i find that so yeah. fun the director is esteban orango and it's a movie about two colombian brothers who it takes place i believe in the 90s i, I forgot what year you know there's a lot of a uh, military and political strife there and their father has already gone ahead to the united states the atlanta area and essentially you know, prepping for their, their arrival there. Um, so the whole family ends up going to escape this political conflict. And uh, one of the brothers is incredibly intelligent and has a dream to work for NASA. And the other brother is kind of a, a little bit of a social delinquent back home in Colombia that continues in America. And they're basically fish out of water in this high school, this new high school, the Atlanta area. But they end up making friends but also enemies and it just really does a good i think a great movie to show like a true immigrant struggle yeah those extra barriers the barriers and the things that family has to think about and consider that a family next door doesn't that is yeah which again if there's if it's not 
It is not a lens through which you viewed walking through the world. So much of it is invisible. And it's, I just think it's so important for people to understand that there are so many barriers, depending on your background, depending on your story. Um, and that, you know, this idea of equal playing field and pulled up by your bootstraps and all that horse shit, like does not apply to everyone or does not apply to everyone in equally. And so I'm glad that it sounds like it's living up to what I felt from the trailer. So, and if you say it's not about the fighting, then I'll have to give it a try. Well, there is fighting and it is, there is fighting. Yeah. It, it, it is intense and it comes at intense moments, but it's an intense film, but it's also... I think we mentioned on the last episode, I look at these critical scores and 65%, 67% by the audience, 3.2 in Letterboxd, which is good, but I must also throw them away because when you see a unique story that I feel like hasn't been told enough, mm-hmm. that just sparks me. I love seeing that. It's something, again, that adding another one to the list, uh, but I'd love to talk about it on AP because it's just a story that I really, really have not seen a lot of, and I think they did an awesome job with it. Also want to shout out the dad in the movies played by Wilmer Val- Valderrama, which is awesome to see. And- yes, to see him in a sincere role. I haven't seen a lot of a lot of him outside of that 70s show, but to see him in a, in a serious role and speaking Spanish, I don't know. I, I again, I want to see more. And, and kind of like you mentioned with the, the other um, actor, sure, it wasn't quite like a child actor, but I, a little bit similar, right? Like, yeah, I, he would play I, a teenager. we met Wilmer, yeah, when he was playing a teenager. So to see like a grown up version um, is a little intriguing, not gonna lie. Yeah, so definitely, I, um, just for the uniqueness of the story, would recommend Blast Beat. The last film we're gonna talk about today, I had a similar experience where I hadn't heard of it, but came out feeling really good about myself in this one. Or at least, let's say it was a fun movie. So the film is The Exchange. I just want to talk to you about this exchange program. Wow. Super way to make friends, learn about the world. I'm here with Tim Long, awaiting the arrival of a young man from Paris. Hello, Team Long. Bonjour. Hello. So, so beautiful. Oh, wait, this is your room. These are your friends? They look sad. Uh, they're the Smiths. Huh? Great new band out of England. Stefan, school is at 8 30. I am already ready. Am I crazy or are these pants totally see-through? These pants are see-through. Outfit's terrific. This place is like a breakfast club. I love this school, huh? I go to this school now. Yeah. Please stop speaking. This is Stefan. He is the exchange student from France. Gary's a gym teacher. Gary's also the local law enforcement. I'm firm, but I'm fair. And uh, I don't see color. Oh, no. You should uh, go see the doctor. I know he isn't what you expected. Drive us to Mary's house, huh? Did she want to make out? Give it time. Relationships can be tricky. <laughs> Tim, I feel like I don't think maybe you not like me. Hello, I'm Stefan Bellemaggi. Oh, what do you think? Why do we live here? 
Everybody hates this town and everything we stand for. Something go wrong, blame Stefan. A squirrel get broken, you blame Stefan. Substitute teacher, it gets pregnant, blame Stefan. What? I like girls a lot. I just don't see why they would like me. What? Why? You have good face. You uh, have a nice penis, eh? Mm. I see it in the bathroom, team. You travel with your own porn. Yes, and uh, toothpaste. So rented this one on Amazon. Unfortunately, you got to pay for this one as of now. Any initial thoughts for you, Aislin, on, on the trailer for this one? Uh Yes. From time to time, my brother Tobin, co-host of The Contenders, sends me trailers. He knows I like to watch trailers. He watches trailers. And if there's something that he thinks I will enjoy or think is funny, he'll send it my way. And he sent me this trailer a while back. Um, and so I didn't remember the name of it because pandemic has ruined my brain. But once the trailer started, I was like, oh, yes, this one. It was that thing of like, oh, yeah, I meant to keep track of this and I didn't. It seems like a different, it's not even a different side of the same coin because it's not the same, but it's like a different roll of the same die as Blast Beat in that there's a kind of a fish out of water. There's a, a cultural exchange happening. But again, this is a comedy, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> very the trailer much so. made it seem like. <laughs> very much so. But, um, and it, it made, watching the trailer made me think a little bit of Tall Girl, where there's an exchange student there, the, the love interest is this, is an exchange student. And at home, we, we learn from him, his perspective at home, he's a nerd, he realizes he has this chance to kind of be cool in American high school. And this seemed kind of the opposite of that, where a, a misfit or geek, or I don't know how it's portrayed in the movie, but a kid who's looking for a friend signs up to have an exchange student and what he gets is this very dynamic flamboyant character that may or may not meet that goal that he was hoping for um and it looks like hijinks and sue well done trailer because that really is what the movie is a hundred percent about it's directed by dan mazer who veteran comedy director he's worked a lot with sasha barrett and cohen in the past it doesn't really have like a borat feel to it i was so pleasantly surprised by this movie it was really fun and funny and it's a period piece it takes place in the 80s in northern canada which i thought is a very awesome and unique setting it's a french exchange student he's kind of picturing what he thinks a french person is like in his mind and i think a lot of us might picture a french person all the way he's picturing it and said he gets um a kid from inner city paris he's super cool and uh it doesn't change his life in the way that he thought it would but he sh- in my opinion you should never assume you shouldn't order a human being to change your life exactly, like that yeah and that's what we uh kind of you know learn in the movie and they form a friendship you know at times it's a love-hate friendship but it you know it ends up being pretty positive i thought the performances were great and it has surprisingly a lot of um not just heart but it touches on some issues you wouldn't think a comedy would in terms of just race and fish out of water stuff that's a little bit more real than Mm. the the silliest direction you can take it i guess sure so yeah i mean the exchange i would love to cover it on ap I, i wish it didn't go as under the radar as it did if that makes sense so you say under the radar how did it do in terms of those analytics we've been covering so 
67% by the critics, 65% by the audience, 3.1 on Letterboxd, which, again, not terrible stuff. But there's also not a lot of uh, reviews overall on this. Like, yeah, I, I don't even know if it really got a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of, again, just data on the film. It's almost identical to Blast Beat. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. In terms of the analytics. Exactly. And again, I don't know. I had a good time watching it. I can't. I can't complain. I know this director had another movie this year, which was like a Home Sweet Home Alone, which is supposed to be in the oh, Home Alone yeah. universe. I didn't watch it, so don't let that deter you. Deter you. Uh, it was a, a fun film. Again, it's a simple, silly comedy, but I think it has a lot of heart. And yeah, The Exchange. Love it. I mean, I've learned so much today. I've learned things I definitely don't want to watch and things I can't wait to watch. So, yes, very successful. Yeah, uh, part two of our three-part series here. And so many female directors. I can't wait to discuss the analytics on the next episode because a lot of fun things in that range in terms of demographics, but also a lot of uh, differences between last year's. I'll share last year's data data with you and we'll be like, okay. Maybe we'll have a hypothesis as to why there's some differences. Maybe we won't. Who knows? But I think we'll have fun with the data. And that's why this is AP. Precisely. (laughs) Well, thank you once again, Aislinn, for just making me feel a little bit more just normal. And uh, having someone to bounce these new movies off of and just talk about them with. And, you know, I I like when you get equally as excited as I am about some of these movies. So I can't wait to talk about them with you in long form. And I can't wait till part three of this series here. So anything you want to say, plug? Happy New Year. I hope folks are having a happy, healthy and finding joy in the new year. That's what I wish for them. For y'all. Once again, follow the show on social media. Aizen, are you still on Instagram or have you quit it? I am on Instagram and I pretty much exclusively look for cute dogs. (laughs) And so I very rarely am reminded to check and make sure that I'm not ignoring people. So again, if I'm ignoring you, I do apologize. (laughs) But I have learned how to like send. So if I see something cute on Instagram that I think like you would like or someone else would like, I've learned how to like send it to them. So I'm still learning new skills. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Well, uh, looking forward to uh, just your Instagram stories in 2022. Maybe not literal, little literal Instagram stories, but you know, just. uh, I think that's a few lessons down the road for me, (laughs) to be honest, but I'll get there. Slow and steady. This is Hollywood by The Haunt off the Plan B soundtrack, one of the movies, of course, we covered here today on our awesome, awesome, if I may say so myself, awesome, awesome 2021 teen movie review. Big thank you to Aislinn for co-hosting with me. Such a huge help. Love her insight. It's been nice to have someone to bounce these new films off of, and I'm really excited, and I know she is too, to cover a lot of these films in 2022 on AP. 
2022 is going to be an interesting year on High School Slumber Party. It's our senior year. What's going to happen in June? Will you graduate? Will you be left back a year? Will the show end? Who knows? I guess you'll have to wait and see. And Oh, tragic news that just hit the wire. Bob Saget passed away. America's dad, Billboard dad. So many of these celebrities are dying. Rest in peace, Bob Saget. And it's a good time to remember that life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Tune in Friday for the teen movie review of 2021, part three, the conclusion. We'll go over some statistics. We'll go over some more films of 2021, some more teen films. See which ones you like, maybe ones you don't like too. We'll chat about it. High School Slumber Party on the Cage Club Podcast Network. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter for social media. And of course, wherever you get your podcast. Later, dudes.